In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation and great to be with all of you. And we'd like to start off our conversation as always by inviting Mary to be with us. <coughs> Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. As well as when we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Let's uh, turn to Mary and beg for her prayers as well as for her presence in our lives. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we'd like to invite to be with us our spiritual director. Spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many wonderful titles. Holy Spirit is known as the sweet guest of the soul. Holy Spirit is also known as the paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master. Holy Spirit is also known as our Counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as our Consoler. Holy Spirit is also known as our Interior Master. And when we say Interior Master, we refer to St. Paul in his passage that we find in Romans chapter 8 which the Holy Spirit he says we do not know how to pray as we ought but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So ask the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light in our intellect and the fire of divine love to burn within the very depths of our hearts as we 
pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Leola, pray for us. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us. St. Maria, Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. So, my friends, the family that prays together stays together. And a world at prayer is a world at peace. A world at prayer is a world at peace. So, once again, and to encourage all of us and our persevering family, I will be praying for you in the greatest of all prayers, and that prayer is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, I'll be praying for all of you. Place you on the altar. And offer various intentions. First, I'd like to pray in a very special way for all of us that we would be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this can be our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My next intention, I'd like to pray in a special way for our families, that our family members would be open to the workings and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That our family members would be converted, that they would be sanctified, and that they would be saved. And my following, my final intention will be calling to mind the words of our Lord who said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Like to pray in a special way For the dying, that they would die in the grace of God and be saved. That's right, to pray for the dying. Pray for the dying. that they will die in the state of grace and be saved, as well as for us, for ourselves. That we would have the grace of all graces to die in the state of grace. So, my friends, those are intentions as we offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to start briefly with our catechesis. In our catechesis, we're going through the creed. Yesterday we spoke about Jesus... He um, he was buried, and the third day he rose from the dead. Following that, it says, Jesus, third day he rose from the dead, and then he, send, he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So I'd like to speak briefly about he ascended into heaven and then we'll move into our topic for today. The second glorious mystery 
and the Holy Rosary is the ascension of our Lord into heaven. And what this means, and this is the this is in the Bible also, said after Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to his apostles and some of his disciples several times, proving the fact that he was no longer dead, he was alive, never to die again. The church teaches that he appeared to the apostles and disciples after his resurrection during the course of 40 days. Then at the very end of those 40 days, we read this in the end of the Gospel of St. Mark, as well as Acts chapter 1, Jesus went to Mount Olivet, and there in front of his disciples he gave his last message to them. So to speak, his marching orders. The last words of Jesus recorded in sacred scripture were the following. All power has been given to me in heaven and earth. And he said to them, Go now to all nations, teaching them all that I taught you. and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of time. Then after addressing the apostles with these words, Jesus ascends into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. So I think we can divide this catechetical teaching into three simple points. First is Jesus wants us to teach what he taught us. Not to teach or impart our own teaching, but teach what he taught us. Teach what he taught us. The second is, Jesus wants all to be saved 
But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants all to be baptized. And baptized with water, with the pronunciation of the Blessed Trinity. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we look throughout the world, probably about close to seven, between seven and eight billion people, there still are many, many people that are not baptized. If we look at China, it's about 1.1 billion people. They're, basically it's a, it's a communistic, atheistic country, meaning no baptism. True, there are some Christians, some Catholics, but relatively few. So we have a lot of work. A lot of work to be done. Then Jesus leaves us with those very consoling words. He says, Behold, I... And with you. Behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of time. What does that mean? Seems somewhat ironic in the sense that he says, Behold, I'm with you always until the end of time. Then, after those last words, then he ascends on high to heaven. Almost seems to be ironic in which our Lord says, I'll be with you always, and then he leaves us. But not really. He's in heaven in his glorified body. But on earth, he remains with us. He remains with us in what is called his mystical body, the church. I'll be be with you always, even until the end of time. He's with us in his mystical body, the church. There are those who say, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. But I don't believe in the church. That's wrong. Because the church is the mystical body of Christ. So if we want to belong to Christ, we have to belong to his mystical body, which is the church. So let's try, as Peter says, you're the living stones within the church. Let's try to live as noble, living, holy members of the church.
So my friends, that would be our catechesis for today. St. James says, Blessed is he who perseveres in temptation. For when he has been proven, he will receive the crown of life that he promised to those who love him. I think that first verse of St. James we have today is very appropriate very appropriate for the season that we're entering into tomorrow. St. James says temptation, and we are tempted. Temptations are not sins, but temptations are opportunities to, to, for us to show that we truly love God. The devil is behind these temptations. We have to try to reject temptations right away. Every time we say no to a temptation, we say yes to the love of God. That's right. Every time we say no to temptation, we say Yes to the love of God. When you're tempted, I suggest we pray fervently the Hail Mary. We should try to avoid the, we should try to avoid temptation. Not to play with fire. We should do all in our power to avoid all forms of temptation. He who plays with fire will get burnt. He who plays with fire will definitely get burnt. So, what I'd like to do today is talk about how we can overcome temptation, but also like to briefly mention this imposition of ashes so that we'll be well prepared for tomorrow which is Ash Wednesday we enter into the threshold of the holy season of Lent we enter into the threshold of the holy season of Lent tomorrow a time of grace 
that the church offers us so we can prepare to celebrate Holy Week, the Paschal Mystery, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Christ. So the devil is out to tempt us, but God is much stronger than the evil that surrounds us. That's so true. The devil does exist. We can't deny that. The devil does exist. But God is much stronger. And I think when we talk about the devil and temptation and St. Thomas Aquinas states that the devil is a tempter <clears throat> that's the role of the devil is to tempt us you honestly believe that there are two extremes that we have to avoid related to the presence of the devil And we see Jesus constantly in battle with the devil. Actually, next Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent, we have Jesus in the desert, tempted by the devil. So there are two extremes that we have to avoid related to the devil. Who Jesus defines as a murderer from the beginning a liar and a murderer from the beginning. The first extreme that we have to avoid <coughs> is to give too much credit and importance to the devil. I've listened to some preachers and um, remember listening to a woman Protestant preacher. She's pretty good, but always mentioning the devil. It's, we have to mention the devil, but we don't want to give him too much credit. in which we attribute everything to the devil. That's wrong. If we attribute everything to the devil, believe that the devil is behind every telephone pole on the street, we're actually, by giving him so much credit, we're actually empowering him all the more. So we don't want to exaggerate, to blow out of proportion, the animal, the enemy, the devil. Now, the other extreme is to deny the existence of the devil. In a highly sophisticated world of academia and higher learning, 
there's a certain tendency to laugh off the devil as a medieval myth, as fiction. as comical. You see the devil like dressed in red pajamas with horns and a pointed pitchfork going after you when you bend over unawares. So that's the other extreme. The other extreme is to... um, trivialize the devil, to laugh off the devil and to present the devil as a mere fictional element of the Middle Ages. That has to be avoided. So, the two extremes, to give the devil too much importance thereby empowering him all the more. And then, on the other extreme, to deny his existence. In a very sophisticated world, why believe in the devil? That's just a the comical guy with the red pajamas, the horns on the top of his head, the pointy pitchfork, ready to go after you when you bend over. So, we'll be talking about the enemy, the devil, later on, especially the first Sunday of Lent. But I say that when we are tempted... We have been tempted, we are tempted, we will, we will be tempted until, until we die. I think a very powerful remedy is to turn to Mary. We have in my studio here the beautiful image of Our Lady Guadalupe. I suggest that we pray the Hail Mary. Guadalupe means she who crushes the head of the serpent. So when you pray the Hail Mary, that's a good way to ward off the devil. So by praying the Hail Mary, that's a good remedy to expel the devil from our life. St. Louis de Montfort, the great apostle Mary, he says that the, the simple name of Mary, all the devils in heaven and hell tremble 
the simple name of the devil makes hell tremble. So let's uh, let's converse, my friends, about one means to conquer the devil. Commenting on the first verse of Saint James today, would be to enter into the season of Lent with great generosity. Enter into the season of Lent with great generosity, my friends. Let's try to pray for each other and live this Lent in the most fervent way possible. Begging for the grace to live out this Lent to the max. To reject the devil, reject temptation, reject sin and all size, forms, and shapes because the devil presents us with the opportunity to sin. We want to reject that. And now let's talk briefly about Ash Wednesday ashes. Ashes. Ash Wednesday. Actually, the ashes ashes, my friends, are actually taken from the palm the palms that we receive on Palm Sunday. And the palms are are burnt, they're pulverized. And the ashes that are taken from the palms, we, as priests and ministers, we place on the forehead. Now with the ashes, we see ashes also in the Old Testament. For example, if we go to the book of Jonah, Jonah preaches, in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed. The king calls a universal fast. But also the king tells the people to place ashes on them. 
So children and teenagers and adults and the elderly, even the dogs and the cats and the animals, they sit in sackcloth and place ashes on them. Which would be a clear manifest sign. Clear manifest sign of a desire for repentance and conversion. So, when you receive your ashes tomorrow, the church gives us two options as to what we can say when we're imposing the ashes on the forehead. What are they? One is taken from Genesis chapter 3. The other one is taken from Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Those are the two biblical verses that are are mentioned simultaneous with the imposition of the ashes. What are they? And what is the meaning behind it? Let's take the first. The first is taken from Genesis chapter 3. And the context of Genesis chapter 3, my friends, is... The context is Adam and Eve and original sin. After Adam and Eve have committed original sin... then God intervenes and God intervenes to mete out a triple punishment one upon the woman another upon the man another upon the serpent then a universal chastisement Punishment meted upon the woman would be that you will bring forth children in pain. The punishment meted upon the man is that you will earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Then the serpent you'll crawl upon the the earth and you'll eat dirt. And then we have 
the universal chastisement and says, from dust have you come and to dust shall you return. From dust you have come and from dust shall you return. What does that mean? It means simply this. It refers to our our mortality. <clears throat> when I say mortality, my friends, <clears throat> it refers to this. It refers to this. That one day we will die. That's really what it means. Our mortality. That we will die one day. Yesterday and Sunday in the spiritual exercises I gave a talk very appropriate related to Ash Wednesday the talk that I gave was on the last things and the last things are what? the reality of death we're going to die one day Judgment upon death we're going to be judged by Jesus Christ heaven our eternal destiny is to get to heaven hell church teaches that hell exists those who die in mortal sin unrepentant merit because of their own deeds the eternal separation from God and and hell itself death judgment heaven hell purgatory as well as eternity when we say eternity we mean Heaven and hell are forever. So upon receiving ashes, we should be thinking about our mortality that one day all of us, one day all of us, one day all of us will die. The imitation of Christ says it's not important a long life but a holy life. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is truly the way, the truth and the life He constantly reminds us 
he constantly reminds us that we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. We don't know when we're going to die. That's why when we have the ashes, we should be praying for ourselves that we would have a holy and happy death. And as St. Catherine of Siena says, the two most important moments in our lives are now and at the hour of our death. Now and at the hour of our death. And Jesus related to death once again. Jesus constantly reminds us we have to be prepared. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know the moment. We don't know the manner. We don't know. Jesus says, it will come like a thief in the night. The moment you least expect, it will come like a thief in the night. Also, Jesus said, it will be like in the day of Noah, when people are eating and drinking and living it up. Then the rain came down as a deluge and all those living on the face of the earth were destroyed. Just on Saturday, an example of the unpredictable character of death Death is very unpredictable. We know neither the day, nor the hour, nor the moment, nor the manner, as I just said. We don't know. But we have to be prepared. Just on Saturday at one o'clock, one of the women in our parish who's been a daily communicant for probably 25 years, she was uh, hit by a car and killed as she was crossing the street. Almost 80 years of age and we really don't know. We don't know when God's going to call us but we have to be prepared. For that reason, we should pray very often. We should pray very often, my friends, for what St. Alphonsus says, pray for the grace of all graces 
The grace of all graces is the grace to have a holy and happy death. Every time, my friends, we pray the rosary. Every time we pray the rosary, my friends, we're preparing for a holy and happy death because we're praying We pray, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for our sinners. Now and at the hour of our death, Amen. So, with respect to the imposition of ashes, that's one of the phrases that the priest says when he imposes the ashes upon us. Remember that you are dust and into dust you shall return our mortality. One day we're going to die. The other is taken from Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Perhaps Sophie can write that down. Mark 1, verse 15. This would be the, the first words we have of Jesus in his public ministry. The first words of the public ministry of Jesus were his first preaching taken from Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 15. Those words are Repent Repent and believe in the gospel or repent and repent and believe in the good news repent and believe in the good news so by having those ashes upon your forehead, really as July is asking, there's really no formal response, you just receive the ashes. By having those ashes on your forehead, you're basically saying, Lord, grant me the grace to be prepared for my death. Help me to live a holy life so that I will have a holy death. That's really what we're saying. And also we're saying, Lord, help me to convert my life. Help me to leave all that is not pleasing to you. 
Lord, make me a new creature. Help me to live holiness of life. So my friends, we've had a good conversation today preparing us for Ash Wednesday. So I'd like to invite all of you to invite all of you to share this message with your friends. And let's pray for each other. That all of us will be able to live a very holy Lent. Dying to sin. And living the life in the Spirit. Following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Who is the way. The truth. And the life. And I'd like to give you my priestly blessing. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.